Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey. <laughs> That's fabulous. I, uh... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. is some of our thoughts. Hey, I'm Sarah. And I'm not. (laughs) And this is some of our thoughts. (laughs) That was just a nice little callback to Chevy Chase in the early 70s on SNL. When everyone still liked him. That's right. (laughs) Right. Anyway, welcome to episode two. We're so glad you guys are listening. We can't wait to share everything we have to share with you today. We're really excited about this one. This is one of my favorite wines ever, 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 ever. And the theme is fried chicken and bubbles. Bubbly, 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 bubbly. My favorite pairing of anything ever. Oh, it's just too good. Something fried, specifically chicken. Something sparkly, mm-hmm. something alcoholic. It's the best. It's been ta- Fantastic. Fantastic. Fantastic, darling. <laughs> so, so today, this is Loxorel Amatea, which we have dubbed the Z Goat Wine because there is the most adorable little goat wearing a bow tie on the label. Um, the people at Loxorel, Joseph and Teresa, a uh, family run vineyard in Catalonia, Spain. It's a Brut Natural Cava which is a very, very cool kind of wine to dig into. The grape varietals, Chirello, mm. Macabio, mm. Perilada. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, fuck me up. <laughs> okay, so Catalonia and Mallorca specifically, these grapes are very, very indigenous to the region, do very, very well in Pinedas, the gorgeous Pinedas region of Spain. Beautiful. They um, they named it Amatea after the Greek mythological character Amatea, who was oh. right Zeus's foster goat mother. Oh, <laughs> the more you know, the more you know. <laughs> Um, so, and goats are pretty standard throughout Greek mythology. Can we just, you know, in Byzantine warfare and all, you tie the true. goat up to the stick and lure the dragon out of the cave and all. Yeah. Um, so, Amatea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to my to my notes. Okay, Amatea is a Capricorn, which is fitting considering we just passed through Capricorn season. True. We are, um, you're an Aquarius. I am. Not that it it makes much of a difference into, uh, you know, our, our wine preferences, but I'm a Taurus. So lots of, uh, Taurus have horns, goats have horns. 
Here we are. Sarah, you want to open it? I do. I would love to open it. So this particular vintage um, is the 2017 Amaltea. Ugh. Just like the best. It's the best. best. This might be one of the only bottles left in the world, or at least in Waco, Texas. True. The most recent vintages are 2018 and 2019, which uh, we have had in abundance. But the 2017, as Sarah and I discovered, is... Hey, very different than the 2018 and 2019, which is um. I prefer the 2017. Same. The 2018 is great, but I definitely prefer the 2017. And I actually prepping for this session, I looked back into my wine notes that I saved, <laughs> and I had a fun little excerpt here I wanted to share with you. <clears throat> And it reads. Well, while you're looking for that, the the um, producer recognized how different this vintage was than former vintages and decided to do like a whole rebranding of the bottle. It's a completely different label. Yeah. I mean, do you remember that picture of mm. the two of them side by side? It, um, the goat's much more prominent in 2017 with the blue foil. And now they've switched to silver. So it's very distinguishable. I was actually unpacking it at the wine shop. Do you remember that manic text I sent you and Kyle? Yes. And I was like, it's back, 2017. <laughs> and I texted my boss frantically, and I was like, can I sell this? Because I'm about to send the bat signal to the entire wine study <laughs> and say 2017 goat is back, bitches. Amazing. Ugh. So I found my note. It says 2018 Loxorel is the EP. Whereas the 2017 is the full vinyl album with all the crackles and pops. Crackly popply. Crackly popply. <laughs> Precisely. God, I'm thrilled that this is in my mouth right now. Me too. It's great. Here we have a little. So, where would one purchase this, Carter? It is available um, not at the moment, currently. Um, at the wine shop on 18th and Austin. But uh, my boss, David Mayfield, is a direct importer for Loxorel, which is really exciting because it is featured in um, most Whole Foods and central markets mm -hmm. throughout the state of Texas. And we supply them with that particular wine. Very proud of it. That's awesome. Um, unpopular, but it makes an amazing mimosa as well. Very little orange juice. <laughs> Very little. Like, like with an eyedropper mm -hmm. kind of amount of orange juice. Yeah, definitely. Also not opposed to just drinking kava straight in the morning <laughs> for breakfast. <laughs> Don't even have to dress it up with OJ. It's fine. We all know what we're doing. <laughs> There's no need to pretend. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk about this, though, because... There is a very big difference, as we've said, in 2017 to 2018. Most vintages aren't that particular. Like, mm -hmm. most you wouldn't really be able to taste it or have, like, a side-by-side -side and see the difference. But it's literally, like, just in the color. There's a bright yellow with some, like, golden reflection. And it's it's a really hard bubble. You can see mm -hmm. it. Definitely. It forms, like, a string up to the top with, like, the most perfect little crown of bubbles. <laughs> Literally kava royalty. Kava royalty. Mm. Oh, shit, that's fresh. 
the best serving temperature for it is between 39 and 42 degrees. So it needs to be pretty exceptionally cold, more so than more so than the average wine, I think. And most wine fridges are between, what, 50 and 55 degrees? Something like that. I always tell people if you're opening anything sparkling, especially if it has, well, it doesn't matter, no matter how it's bottled, um, yeah, you want that very cold. If it's not super cold, you're like, hmm, will it explode? If you have even half a second of hesitation about that, pop it in your freezer yes. for seven to ten minutes. Get it very cold. Chilly. And you will be so much happier because when you open it, you're not going to lose a bunch of wine. And if, basically, if it's warm, you're going to open it. It's going to explode. You're going to lose half your bottle. And cry. Yeah, and then you're going to cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. We've all done it. Well, we've done it. Definitely. <laughs> Anyone who drinks an average amount of wine, I think, is familiar with the exploding bottle. Yeah. Or like, the, you know, popping the cork and the cork pops back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so just talking about tasting notes here, it's super fresh, crispy. There's certainly... Uh, a toasted bread, dried floral quality to it. That's, can we agree? It's toasty. I'm laughing that you said crispy, and I'm talking it's about fried chicken in a moment. <laughs> well, that's why these pair so well together. We can talk about the the fruit notes. I think definitely apple and pear. Apple, pear, all day. But there's like some citrus there. It's like kind of like a grapefruit, mm-hmm. but like very subtle. Big Still, apple, pear notes, though. Yeah. It's my favorite. It's delicious. It's safe to say our favorite champagne alternative. So for my boss's 30th birthday, actually, I threw him a surprise party and we got him two magnums magnums of this wine. Oh, yeah. He drank both of them. Not like he and I, but like (laughs) (laughs) several more people. And yeah, it was like one of the best nights. Loxabral does no wrong. Amaltea does no wrong. We have such a fun wine. We actually, very fortunately, were able to get into a couple of other Loxorel staples last night in preparation for this. We drank 999, which neither of us had had in quite some time. Mm-hmm. I happen to sell it every day of my life. <laughs> um, and, you know, when you're working in a shop like that, there's, there's your standard things that you go to when describing it. Mm-hmm. But we were able to really break it down and pick up on... Sort of this like coppery zinc moment that it was having. It kind of was like raspberry pennies. Yes. In a good way. In a a great way. But I mean, that's a very apt description, I would think. And I was was reluctant at first to revisit it. And then I was like, what am I talking about? It's literally my job. We got to. I have to. Yeah, yeah, we got to. (laughs) Because I tried it several years ago and it just gave me this weird like twangy aftertaste. And I was like, I don't know, man, like this is not my fave. But even last night as it warmed up, it got more akin to like an apple juice where it's very sweet. Mm -hmm. The colder it is, the more, I guess the... What am I? What is this hand gesture? I'm doing? It's um. <laughs> She's making like a Joe Pesci hand motion. Yeah, always. <laughs> I'm trying to convey a point <clears throat> that isn't coming to me. Um. Yeah, I'm really glad I revisited it because it's very popular, as Carter said. Um, apple juice. It was still great. 
little sweet after it got more room temperature. Mm -hmm. But that would also pair great with fried chicken. When you first open it, if it's really cold, rosé bubbly, very white bubbly. Cranberry hue to it. Yeah, it's a beautiful color. Very festive. It's it's a good wine. That's a solid wine. When I looked it up, actually, on Vivino, it said it had um, notes of red currants and rosebuds, which I thought well, was... Well, I think that's a lie, but... <laughs> I mean, kidding. I like the alliteration. I do think it's it's kind of reaching, because I don't think that it... The bottle that we drank last night did not have those... That much complexity. Is that safe to say? It was a little yeah. bit more raspberry, strawberry... Zinc. It was just like honey crisp apple. Anyway. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and the other bottle from them. The LXV. Yes, that's one. That was the still white wine that we both liked. Mm-hmm. It tasted remarkably similar to the Amatea just without any gas in it, which the yeah. gas imparts a lot on the flavor of the wine. But it was the same grape varietal in the LXV. That had this like same like metallic sort of thing, but with like a warm honey. Yeah, the honey, the pears for sure. It was very balanced. Mm -hmm. It was nice. Um, I also I looked that one up online and it said it was more rustic than the white Chirello because they used the red Chirello grapes. And apparently that that was meant with the uh, with the reddish skins. It kind of. Even though it's n- minimal skin contact. Yeah. But it, um, <laughs> I can't read my handwriting. So, fried chicken. So, my wonderful fiance, husband, whatever, whatever. We've been engaged for like a year, almost a year and a half. Your partner. Because of COVID. My partner. It's fine. Anyway, he makes amazing food which I've probably said before, but his fried chicken exceptional is basically all I asked for for my birthday it's this literally year. all you asked for. <laughs> it is. I said, I want bubbles and fried chicken for my birthday. And that's what you got, that's Beach. It. That's it. That's it. And he delivered. <laughs> Did he ever? Did he ever. So I have a really, like, I have a recipe for it, but there are a few things I needed to mention about the fried chicken beforehand. So basically, we were like, oh, I want to make fried chicken. How do I do it? You could either do tenders. You could either do actual, like, big chicken pieces, legs, wings, breasts, whatever. Whatever. It's your choice. Always fry in either a Dutch oven or an actual deep fryer. We've done it both ways. And as long as you're properly managing the temperature of the oil and the timing – it doesn't matter. And if the chicken's able to be submerged in the oil, it just yes. needs to be deep enough. Yeah. We have a pretty big Dutch oven that works great. Um, for my birthday in particular, he did use an actual deep fryer with, like, you know, the basket. And I felt like cleanup-wise, because we live together, I have to pay attention to these things. <laughs> cleanup-wise, the deep fryer was a lot better in that sense versus the Dutch oven because the Dutch oven – even though you really only want to fill it no more than a third of the way, either option, the the deep fryer has like a lid you can put on it yes. when something's frying, and it really, really helps. So fry in a good neutral oil with a high smoke point. Peanut oil is what we use. You could use, um, I researched it a little bit, and there was like uh, canola oil, which I never 
consume really grapeseed oil, which I really hope my boss is listening because he will give you an hour spiel on how horrible seed oils are for you. Shout out to Joey. (laughs) So peanut oil. Use peanut oil. And it just tastes really nice. So yeah, don't fill your vessel more than a third of the way. Use a candy thermometer. If you're out there and you're like, well, how do I know what like temperature the oil is when I'm uh, frying my items? Use a candy thermometer. Yes. It's super accurate. They're really inexpensive. If you break it because it gets too hot, which rarely happens, you can replace it for like $5. And it's not like you're going to fry every day of your life anyway. Nope. Or you probably shouldn't. Um, also, you need to get a sheet pan with a wire rack to place the fried food on top of after it's fried. So we double fry, meaning we do our process and then we'll fry it once for one to two minutes. We'll fry all of it like that and then we'll go back and fry everything again. And what that does is just give you this absolutely gorgeous and delicious really crispy crust that seals in the moisture of the chicken itself. So why that chicken is so moist is because you want to brine it. Yes. So there's this book called Salt, Fat, Acid, and Heat. She has, I think, maybe a whole chapter on the importance of salting meat and brining meat before you ever even think about cooking it. Um, Samin is her first name. She's amazing. Look her up. She's she's great. She's really big about that, and that was something that we had started doing and immediately noticed a difference. Because with me, I'm like, oh, it's fine. Let's just, like, cook it. But if you compare it to something that has been brined, especially overnight, like when we do the fried chicken, we will brine it overnight. It's incredible. It just seals in that moisture. Juicy, juicy, juicy. Yeah, so juicy. So juicy, so tender, and it really locks in the flavor. So for the buttermilk brine that we use, we use buttermilk, like a three-to-one ratio of buttermilk to hot sauce. If you don't want it spicy... You don't have to use hot sauce. I recommend. But then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Basically, we're in Texas. You're doing it wrong if you're not putting hot sauce in something you're eating, right? We and- are Southern. Just a, <laughs> just a shout out for all you Yankees listening. Mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend putting buttermilk and hot sauce. We use Valentina, which is a hot sauce that's very inexpensive. You can get a giant um, container of it for like three dollars it's insane it's really flavorful though though so buttermilk hot sauce three to one ratio you want to salt it a little bit and put a little bit of oil basically any chicken that you're going to fry the next day that day or night before you want to submerge all of your chicken into that mixture so i'm not giving exact measurements for this recipe because it depends on how much chicken you are making absolutely So if you're cooking for two, of course, you're going to use like, you know, maybe three tenders each and then like a couple legs, maybe, you know, whatever you're going to do. Whereas, like I said, the last time we did it, it was for 
my birthday where maybe 20 people were there. Mm-hmm. So very different scale. You just really need to eyeball it. Don't get caught up in measurements either. To taste. To taste. Absolutely. And for the brine, really color. Make it a, it needs to be like a light orange color. Mm-hmm. You want to see that hot sauce. You need to know that it's present. The buttermilk is what's really going to lock in and seal that flavor, though. So you got the coat, you coated it, you soaked it, you submerged it. It's the next day, we're hungry, where's our chicken, right? So the coating in it, it's going to be seasoned flour and cornstarch. So when I say seasoned flour and cornstarch, you really need, I would suggest whisking that together because the cornstarch is going to start to separate if you don't keep mixing it just because it's so fine versus the flour. And the seasoning for the flour, it's a mix of annatto, which gives it a really nice deep red golden color when you fry it. To me, it doesn't have a lot of taste, the annatto. I could be wrong. I've never made it without it, I don't think. So maybe it does. But it seems ridiculous, but it's a necessity. Hungarian hot paprika, specifically. (laughs) Garlic powder, cayenne black pepper, and salt. So you're going to mix all these dry ingredients together. And then you're ready to fry. So like I said, we double fry. For that first fry, you want to get your oil to 340 degrees. So do that first before you dip anything into that hot oil. So put your candy thermometer in the edge of the deep fryer, the Dutch oven, whatever you're frying in. Get it to 340. Then you're going to, after you start coating your chicken. You're going to put it in there one to two minutes. You're going to take it out. You're going to put it on that sheet pan with the wire rack. You're going to do all of your chicken like that first. So basically you're going to fry everything slightly. It's going to look like a pale golden color. You're going to be like, is that done? No, it's not done. Please don't eat it. (laughs) Please don't eat that. Be patient. Have a glass of bubbles. Absolutely. Wait on it because it is worth the wait. So after you do that, for your second fry, you're going to want to up the temperature of your oil to 375 degrees. So once again, before you fry that stuff again, put your thermometer in. Keep it in if you want. It's fine. You can keep it in. Get that oil to 375, and then you're going to start refrying everything you've already fried the first time, but you're going to fry that for five to seven minutes. Five to seven minutes meaning check it at five minutes if it's not how you want it, if it's not done, depending on your oven, depending on, you know, the world, whatever. Pop it back in a couple more minutes. Get it to that really nice sweet spot, that golden brown, that really crispy crust. And that's it. Then you have a ton of delicious fried chicken. And my favorite way to eat fried chicken with a bunch of different hot sauce options. All the hot sauce. <laughs> like four to I sh- six yes. different at least. I should have written all the sauces down, but I don't even remember at this point. Um, I'm sure everyone or most people have seen like hot ones, like the little bit where people or celebrities eat the hot wings and they have a different sauce for each wing. It gets hotter and hotter and hotter. Kind of the same idea, but don't put it on your whole tender. Like really respect the tender, respect the chicken, and then just like dip it into a sauce for fun. That's my favorite way to eat fried chicken. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now you know how to make amazing fried chicken. 
Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, of course. Anytime. I wish I had some now, but I do not. Just bubbles for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a kind of nice segue into the album that we decided to pair with this particular wine. Yes. Carter has an amazing story about why this was chosen. Porter Robinson. Porter Robinson. Porter Robinson. Porter Robinson. Ladies and gentlemen. Porter Robinson. For the culture. So he came out with this album April 23rd, 2021. That is just seven days? Seven? Seven days before my birthday. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm not great at math. I went to art school. <laughs> it's around about there. Yeah. So it was about a week before my birthday. So our bestie, Kyle. Kyle, shout out. Um hey. Kyle and I had this really amazing habit that we developed when we started, when we both moved back to Waco during COVID, and we would hang out with Sarah as often as possible. She was very pregnant this time last year, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. still working to the very end. And Hell yeah, I was. We would take her fried chicken, tender rolls specifically from Bushes. There's one on the way to Valley Mills Vineyards. We would listen to this album and go through the drive-thru, get bushes, <laughs> with our white gravy and serendipity, which is a must at bushes. It's like the spicy, little spice salt season packet. I don't know. But it's really nice. It's, it's good. A, it's as close as we can get to this specific blend of spices, store-bought. Yeah. Your chicken's better. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> no argument there. Definitely not. But we, uh, you know, that's about as good as it gets. And when you're very hungover and on your way to drink more, <laughs> tinder rolls and french fries suffice. So this this album, suffice it to say, Porter Robinson, I have just the happiest memories of riding out to VMV, windows rolled down, the smell of fried chicken wafting through my car <laughs> with the anticipation of more wine, more bubbles, more fun. There was a very specific wine club dinner April of last year. I believe it was April. I had a child May 5th of last year, so I, I don't know. Close enough. <laughs> I'm just lucky Sarah came to my birthday last year, which is May 1st. She was at my birthday party, y'all. I don't remember it, but. Everyone was wasted but me. <laughs> and my parents, apparently. Um, but (laughs) shout out Nancy. So, um, we had just the most amazing night at this dinner. We were sitting there waiting in preparation for a big old thing of paella just coming right to us. And it had been cloudy all day. It was cloudy and rainy all day. I remember being so pissed about it. Oh, but we were standing out waiting for the dinner to start, and the clouds literally parted as we were listening to Sweet Time by Porter Robinson off this album. Wow. And it was the most magical moment. It literally defined my 30th birthday and the whole rest of the year, Aww. specifically that summer. But whenever I listen to it, I'm just filled with extreme gratitude. It gives you it, it leaves you with that same feeling that Amatea leaves you with. It's happy. It's bright. It's so bubbly. happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like there's absolutely no way that you could be in a bad mood. And the cover, the vinyl 
album cover. Isn't it like a kid laying in, in flowers? The grass, yeah. Or grass. face down on a bunch <laughs> of wildflowers. Haven't we all felt like that? Me and Sarah's happy place. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. So we have uh, an ode to Amatea and Porter Robinson. And fried chicken. And Kyle, apparently. Apparently. Oh, also, for my fried chicken bit, I need to shout out Eric Warheim. Yes. One of my favorite humans to exist. Of course. If anyone ever watched Tim and Eric Awesome show back in the day, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. But now he has a wine company called Las Hadas, Amazing Wine. He also came out with a cookbook, I don't know, a few months ago. And uh, he had a fried chicken recipe. So basically it was part of his fried chicken recipe Part of a few others that we researched, like I said, Samines from salt, fat, acid, and heat. Part of her technique. And uh, also, we're very proud of that damn chicken recipe because we had so many trial and errors of like, yeah, but I need like the best fried chicken. You succeeded, my darling. And Porter Robinson was right there to back us up. And Las Raras, apparently we drank... Three bottles of the sparkling wine for your birthday? Something like that. We did have Amaltea, I think, when we first started. Yeah, of course. Of course. Amaltea never lasts long is the thing. It it's doesn't. It's so delicious. And so crisp. So clean. And it's also, like, just my go-to bottle for every celebratory event in life. I mean, I've given bottles to girlfriends for Valentine's Day, birthdays, baby showers, weddings. And people come in, can I get some of that goat wine? Where's the goat? Can I get some of that goat? Ew. I'm like, what the hell is goat wine? Got any goat? <laughs> Got that goat? <laughs> like, Cute little goat on it. Not right now. Hopefully in March. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's a really good little way to say the the process is, it's pretty extensive. I don't know if you know about it. Let's talk about it. It's 15 months in the cellar, Sarah. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> the disgorging... Which is essentially just the the fancy way of saying the critical point in the life of a sparkling wine where you have to remove all the yeasty sediment that acquired that accumulates during yeah. fermenting fermentation. Fifteen months wowzes. Fifteen months is significant and it's more so than most people. Um they also use the amphora, that's the clay cask that has the two big handles. I drew a little picture in my notes, but y'all won't benefit from that. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah. There. There. Yeah, yeah. It's got the little pointed bottom, so you, when you push it into the ground, it remains upright. And this Greek and Roman, um, by the ancient Greeks and Roman, obviously, ancient. <laughs> <laughs> I like they're running around right now using I mean, um, apparently it gives a more authentic, fresh, and creamy, um, minerally richness to the wine, which definitely... Whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. It it's through. so good. Um, okay, so I want to talk just a little bit about yeah. the biodynamic thing for like five yes. minutes, because I think that's really, it's cool. And it goes back to like the Greek mythology part. Let's do it. Okay. So Loxorel is very proudly... Um, Represented by as biodynamic farming and viticulture. Carter, please tell us what biodynamic farming and viticulture is. 
It's some witchy woo-woo shit, Sarah. And let me tell you, it's literally going to save the world. (laughs) Biodynamic farming is essentially going off of the the sun and the lunar cycle. Um, They incorporate the crop rotations. um, And it's more adapted to climate and um, less pesticides, or no pesticides, in fact. They use other plants to counteract diseases and pests in the vineyard. So they'll plant rosemary to counter, like, to... Dis- discourage mosquito growth and um, they set traps, humane traps for rabbits and all the, you know, typical little uh, dudes who get into the <laughs> <laughs> Little dudes that get into the wine. You know, all those. Into the vineyard. All those dudes. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was really interesting when I was doing research on Loxerol specifically that they have to avoid oxidation in the amphora. They coat all of their, all of their casks with beeswax, because oh. it's the most natural thing. And I'm like, wow, hmm. good for you, Loxarel. Um, I also thought there was a really beautiful line from their description of biodynamic uh, viticulture that says that it establishes the participatory. <laughs> participatory relationship between man and the Presbyterian. Earth. The participation. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and they call it a spiritual science. Um, it was uh, created by, the concept was created by a philosopher named Rudolf Steiner in the late 19th century. So it's been around for a minute. Oh, Rudy Stein. It's Rudolph. Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> As his friends call him. I just thought it was cool considering their their Amatea is named after obviously this fantastic mythological creature that um not knowing much about it myself just off the top of my head, but being interested in it. Um that was Zeus essentially is like, you know, the the head dude. <laughs> you know, with all these dudes. Um his father was Kronos, though, and so Kronos, is, as story goes, devoured all of his children because the prophecy said that he would be overthrown by one of them. So Amathea, as this, like, shining goat queen, suckled. <laughs> you did not just say suckled. That's what it said. That's what it said. Stop. <laughs> but don't stop, please. You said suckled. You have to finish that sentence. Well, they... It, she fed him from her breast, <laughs> kept him alive, and Zeus was like the father of everything. So essentially, we are all goats. We have all suckled. We have all suckled at the teat of the Amatea goat. Oh, that was a lot. I'm sorry about that. I'm really glad you shared that with us. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, the more you know. So, um, we're excited about Kava. I think that's probably one of my more uh, legendary bottles from the wine shop. It, it's, it's just been present in every, at every birthday party, at every, you know, dinner that we have, food permitting, you know, oysters, fried chicken, which is a lot of what we eat. Mm. No, that's so well she said my trigger word, oysters. the good one, oysters. <laughs> oysters. 
<laughs> okay, we need to wrap this up. We do. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to our second episode of Some of Our Thoughts. Carter's dancing in agreement. <laughs> you just can't see or hear her do that. <laughs> we'll put it on Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah. So thank you guys for checking us out again. We're so happy to be here week after week. So as always, grab a glass, put on your favorite vinyl. Let's have some fun. Clink. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.